This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Hope you're well. Welcome to the show. Uh, today, Matt Christie, Editor-in-Chief of Boxing News, joins me and Nick for a little bit of a chat, and we're talking heavyweights. What does he think of it being Molina? You, you, can't, you, you, you can't get excited about it. Um, there was a part of me that was thinking over the last week when it wasn't confirmed, it wasn't confirmed, it wasn't confirmed. And also there's a part of me hoping that they were going to pull <laughs> something a little bit more impressive out of the bag. He has a very high opinion of David Hare. He is the most exciting heavyweight out there, bar none. We also get his thoughts on the rumours that are circling around the WBA world title. Will it be Shannon Briggs versus Lucas Brown? Here's Matt's thoughts. Um, yeah, well, it, it seems that that... It seems that, 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 that <laughs> you sound absolutely <laughs> so enthusiastic about it, man. Love it. You know it's, it's, I, I'm sorry. It's, a, it's, a, it's an horrendous matchup. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome to episode 43 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Quickly, before we start, thank you so much. If you subscribe to the podcast, uh, go to fightdisciples.com. If you don't subscribe, you'll never miss out on any of our content. Coming up this Friday, we've got a Manny Pacquiao special as he enters the ring once again uh, for a shot at the uh, £147 title uh, sanctioned by the WBO against Jesse Vargas. That's coming up on Friday. Today, it is all about heavyweights. That's coming up in a minute, but let's have a quick talk about that DeGale Badu Jack announcement, January 14th. We anticipated it, Nick. We knew it was coming that these two boys will be unifying IBF and WBC crowns uh, in the super middleweight division. Personally, I think the Gale is levels above Badu Jack, mm-hmm. um, but I'm sure we'll find out in January. This is kind of nice for us because we're both big fans of Callum Smith and uh, the winner will, of course, go on to feature, uh, feature Callum because he's number one with the WBC. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, you know it's shaping up to give us a, a massive British fight, which would be uh, which would be huge, obviously for twenty seventeen, uh, for Callum Smith versus the Gale. I don't know whether Callum Smith has been confirmed for the Badu Jack undercard. I don't think that's been announced yet, has it, over in the US? But if if I was Callum Smith, I'd be pushing for that. I'd, I'd quite fancy fighting over in the US, you know. And uh, so uh, yeah, I, I'm like you, Adam. You know, I'm just glad it's happening. I'm kind of you know, I've got to be honest. I'm glad it's happening for James the Gale as well. This is the fight that he's wanted most. You know, he's proved himself uh, with a couple of defences. That he listen, he's done it the hard way, man. He's gone on the road, hasn't he? He's gone on the road. He's he's taken on big big guys, Um, Lucian Butte, people like that, people that okay might be a little bit burnt out now. But at the end of the day, he's gone on the road. He's proved himself over in the states, and now he's taking on Floyd Mayweather's boy and Badu Jack. All right, he'll make a few quid, but more importantly, he unifies the division if he wins. And I think he will win because I think he's the most. On, on the face of it, super middleweights, I think he's the most talented out there right at this moment in time. Okay, it's a good division, but I think he is the most talented. Yeah, it's Skills-wise, I'm talking, he's a slick South boy, you know what I mean? He's got the skills. Yeah, I think it's a decent division right now. I don't think it's as strong as some of the other divisions, I've got yeah. to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, I think it's a decent division. I think Badu Jack, you, you're right, it, you know, I think he's a level below uh, James DeGale. Uh, I think that's definitely a fight that DeGale wins, can win in January if he's switched on. The thing with the Gale, as as he's proved over time, you know, he he does have a habit of switching on and off during fights, um, but he's been a little bit more consistent of late. You know, he's yeah. had some big wins since he won the title. Uh, you're right. He's the the thing with the Gale is, you know, Olympic gold medalist and uh, current world champion. Yet 
ask any British boxing fan who their top three favourite British fighters are. You'll you'll do well to find one that picks yeah. The guy why up. is that? Why it's is just, it? It's just a guy that we don't seem to connect with as fight fans, in my opinion. You know, I, I I've met James. You know, I remember from the amateur days, and you know, I've what's he like? Honest. Is he a good guy? His friends all, all say he's a good guy. I've never really got close to him. I wrote a column about him shortly after the Olympics, and hand up, hands up, I, I wrote in the column. I said I didn't think he had the the mindset to uh, to make it as a world champion. You know, I, I said I didn't think he would become world champion. I didn't think he had the ability to get there. He, so he certainly had the boxing ability, but mentally, I just didn't think he was switched on enough. People who I know have been in England camps with him and box with for the Great Britain with him and stuff said that. You know, he drifts in and out of contests. As con- you know, he's not as focused as maybe he could be. But people said that about Tony Bellew in the amateurs as well. People yeah. said p- people said stuff like that about him, and he's proved them wrong. And you know, James DeGale's absolutely proved me wrong. You know, he's he's legitimately the number one in my opinion, super middleweight on the planet right now. Um, but why don't we connect with him? I don't know. You know, it's uh, as I say, I'd, I had a bit of a set to with him one time. He was visiting Liverpool, and we were back, we were at an event and. Someone had showed him my column, and he come up and confronted me about it, and he wasn't too happy about it, which was fair enough, you know. And I, and I tried to explain to him why I thought that, and he wasn't obviously he wasn't really interested in what I thought. He just wanted to kind of sound off, but um, you know, and he's proved me wrong, as I say. But at that moment, you know, there was nothing really that I kind of connected with him over. There's been a few fighters over the years that have wrote stuff about, and we've had we've had words, and I've kind of made you know we've kind of kissed and made up, if you like, and then later on I've found. What way I always find it is if 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 you if you've got to write something about a fighter that's a bit negative, I always try to be a bit constructive. So when they do confront you, you can kind of turn it round and be constructive with them. And I've I've built a lot of relationships with fighters over the years by doing that. You well, that's know, what we built this on. Friends. We're yeah, building exactly, we're yeah. building this on not bullshit. We're giving you legit opinion exactly. of what this we genuinely is just believe. Our genuine opinion, you know. And most guys you can kind of rebuild a relationship with because it's constructive in some ways and. But I never really got that with James, and there's kind of that disconnect there in the fact that he has done an awful lot of travelling. You know, he won the world title on the road. He's made two successful defences of the world title on the road. This is his next fight. It's going to be on the road. You know, James, unfortunately, from what we can gather, doesn't sell a ticket. But this is where Callum Smith comes in because Callum Smith has got an entire city, an entire country talking about him, and a home city that absolutely adore him. The weird thing about the the Gale fight, and we had this obviously when when James fought uh, for Paul Smith when he was back down at, at domestic level, uh, he did fight Paul Smith, didn't he, James the Gale. I'm sure he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. But he at, at domestic level, it was weird because James the Gale and Stephen Smith and they were all and. David Price and Tony Bell, you did all kind of on the England squads together yeah. at the time. And a lot of it was happening in Liverpool. So James DeGale spent a lot of time in Liverpool, a lot of time with the Smith family. I think he was really close to Stephen Smith. So when he fought Paul Smith, it was kind of a weird situation because this was like a, a friend of the family. Mate, yeah. Don't get me wrong, it was business at the end of the day and Paul and the, and the rest of the Smith family are intelligent enough to know business is business kind of thing and they got on with it. And I'm guessing Stephen's now got, you know, they've rebuilt that relationship. But unfortunately, he's on a collision course with Callum now, the youngest brother, as we know. The only, the only, way, the only place in this country that fight happens, in my opinion, is Liverpool. Callum Smith sells a boatload of tickets. Liverpool boxing's on a f- absolute high at the moment, so the undercard is stacked with local talent as well. James De Gale, he beats Badu Jack, even though he's the undisputed super military champion of the world. For me, has to travel again to fight Callum Smith in Liverpool. That's the only way they sell. 
15,000 tickets, 12,000 tickets, and they sell out the Echo Arena or whatever they do. That, you know, again, it's all for negotiation. And first of all, he's got to be Badu Jack. But that kind of speaks volumes about where James DeGale is in terms of his popularity with fans. We just we just don't connect with him, Adam, do we? No, I'd agree with that. I mean, I've, ne- I've never met him. So my, my observations are always external when it comes to James DeGale. And there does seem to be that element of chip on your shoulder type of attitude. Yeah. I don't know whether that's true or not. Like I said, I've not met him, but that's what I, that's the way I'm looking at it. But as a fighter, and we say this all the time on all our shows, talent really doesn't propel you into the superstar, uh, superstar uh, money-making realm. No. Um, the kid's got a boatload of talent. I like him. I think he's a slick southpaw. He's got obviously a lot of power. And you think to yourself, yeah, fair play, man. In that division, I think you are the, the boy at this moment in time. But you are right. I think he's warming. I think with the, with the way that he is going about his business in America, I am personally warming to him a lot more. I want to see more of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything you've just said there, I can't argue with because when he does come back to fight in the UK, and I'm sure he will do, where would he go in order to sell it out? Would he sell out the O2? I don't think he would. No. Um, Even so- if it was the O2, though, you'd probably find more people supporting Callum Smith. It's like when he fought George Groves, you know, that was kind of like a, a London divided almost thing, even though they were both from pretty much the same neighbourhood. Mm. You know, and even now, you know, you felt like Groves was the personality. Groves was the one that was well, driving he is, it. isn't he? He is the personality. You know, Groves yeah. had a little bit more about him that, you, you know, you can kind of, it's a bit more tangible, something you can sell. Unfortunately for all the talents in the world that James DeGale's got, he just hasn't got that saleability, has he? He just hasn't got that marketability mm. and... You know, ultimately, I think that's what's kind of holding him, not only him back, but kind of holding back that super middleweight division of which he's the number one. You know, you need someone there that's a bit of a flag bearer that's going to, you know, attract a lot of headlines and generate a lot of interest to make your division pop. And you've got that at middleweight with Triple G. You've got that now with Lomachenko, the lighter weights, welterweight, of course. We've got an abundance of talent there who are all pretty good in handling media and everything else. A super middleweight just seems to have gone off the radar. And, you know, obviously one of those reasons is that the Gale just hasn't got that saleability. Mm. Uh, just quickly on super middleweights, um, again, last week, just as uh, we released our show, um, Martin Murray announced that his fight with Arthur Abraham is off um, yeah. a week on Saturday uh, in Monte Carlo, 12th of November, that is happening. Uh, that fight is off, but he has now, he's still on the card because he's got himself another opponent. Um, now, I got confused with this. I don't know how uh, wh- wh- where you were at when this n- news came through, but when Martin Murray announced I'm going to be fighting Chudinov, I thought to myself, bloody hell, that's actually that's hard, a harder fight than taking on Abraham. And the, and the more I looked into it, then the more it came clear that it wasn't the Chudinov that I was thinking of. There's two brothers, uh, Chudinov right. brothers. There's Fedor, uh, Fedor, however you want to pronounce it. He's the former WBA champion who was robbed against Felix Sturm, as we all know. Yeah. That's who I thought he was fighting. He isn't fighting him. He's fighting no. his brother, Demi- Dimitri, that's the guy you got bingo off, Chris Eubank Jr., yeah, yeah. Uh, at the start of 2015. Still a tough fight because he's on a knockout streak, is Dimitri, at this moment in time. But I would anticipate Martin to come through that in Monte Carlo against him, um, given what happened against Chris Eubank a year previous. It's disappointing yeah. for Martin because this was a massive night for him. He need one, that retribution against Arthur Abraham gets him back in the mix. This Completely. one doesn't necessarily propel him straight away. No, it doesn't. No, it's a, let's be honest. It is what it is. It's a marking time fight now. I know Chudinov's on a is on a bit of a, a winning run, but that winning run has all happened, you know, back in in Russia or Latvia or whatever it is, you know. So against guys that he should be knocking out. Yeah. To be honest with you, guys with losing records. So 
you know, for Martin, it's unfortunate the Arthur Abraham that was a massive fight for him. What a massive opportunity for him to jump back up. This is a guy that's had, as we know, four world title fights now and and, and come come short on four occasions. He hasn't got time to be marking fight time anymore, Adam. Mm. You know, he hasn't. Time is not on his side anymore. You know, he needs to be sprung back into contention as soon as possible. So, I was like you when it first got announced. I think Sky it was. I think Sky yeah they pulled just out said that he was enough, fighting. Yeah. The Chudanov, and they were saying, "Oh, it's even tougher fight than Abraham." I think they made the same mistake as well. I think they never got it never got clarified that it was Dmitri rather than Fedor yet. So uh, this Chudanov guy, I remember when he lost to Eubank, and then he beat a guy. There used to be a guy based out of Liverpool, a, a guy called Giard Jetovic, who everyone in Liverpool when he first turned pro, he, came, he moved to Liverpool to turn pro, and uh, everyone that trained with him was like, "My God, this guy's an absolutely." absolute beast you know he's from Serbia and he was going to be this this and this but his career's just really kind of tailed off he ended up traveling all over the place and it hasn't really taken off but he beat him uh pretty recently also which is uh which was another name that kind of jumped mm. out to me straight away but Giard isn't the talent that he was supposed to be he never realized his full potential far from it so there's nothing really to worry about there I'm just disappointed for Martin because he needed an Abraham win he needed a big win against a former world champion like that so he can push on and, and lay a claim for a title shot because time's against him this is the fight disciples podcast subscribe now via the iTunes store since last week, um, our programme was called Klitsch No, because um, obviously um, Vladimir pulled out of his uh, expecting fight with Anthony Joshua. The saga has been going on and on and on and on and a little bit further on. Uh, so I think it's only fair that we get a man uh, on the show that maybe can shed even more light on than Nick normally does on these particular uh, incidents. Uh, Matt Christie, editor of the uh, Boxing News. How are you, sir? You good? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Welcome to it, man. No, thanks for being on. Um... Well, it's been announced today. It's kind of yeah. nice that we've got you on, right? Because as we're recording this, it's only a couple of hours previous uh, that they finally pulled the finger out the backside and gone, right, OK, it's going to be Molina. We knew it was going to be Molina, uh, but thank you for announcing it and, uh, and, and making it all signed, sealed and delivered. What's your thoughts, first of all, on it being Molina? Um, well, my thoughts are the same now as they were when we first heard it was more than likely going to be Molina, which I think was about a week ago, which yeah. is... Yeah. You, you can't you, you, you can't get excited about it. Um, there was a part of me that was thinking over the last week when it wasn't confirmed, it wasn't confirmed, it wasn't confirmed. And also there was a part of me hoping that they were going to pull <laughs> something a little bit more impressive out of the bag. Yeah. But ultimately it is Eric Molina. And you can kind of look at it from two ways. You can look at it and be completely down about it and go, well, Eric Molina, he's got no chance. It's a one-sided fight. Yeah. Does he really deserve it? But you also look at it from the point of view of they were clearly, clearly trying to pull out everything to get Klitschko in the opposite corner mm. against Joshua. It didn't quite work out that way. Who else are you going to get in at this stage? I mean, I've spoke to, to David Price today. Um, I think from a British standpoint, from British fans, I think they'd rather have seen that. It's a lot, yep. it's a much easier fight to market. Um, there's a great backstory there. Um, so yeah, sorry. In answer to your question, Molina, it's it's it, it's uninspiring but understandable. It's business, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's a business it decision. And you know, if if we are led to believe that the Klitschko thing is going to happen at the in, in spring of next year, which I think it will, hopefully, if he yeah. does if he doesn't jib it, then end of the day, the IBF title has got to be on the line. And this is okay. It's a named opponent, the guy that's been in with Deontay Wilder. 
you know, it's it's one of them what you can tick off, but it's not too much of a workout for Anthony Joshua. It's not, and it's, you're completely right. It's a business decision. Ultimately, now, whether we like it or not, and as and as and as a boxing fan, as a lifelong boxing fan, I certainly don't. But Anthony Joshua, whoever he's in the ring against now, is going to be it's going to be a pay per view event, unfortunately, in this country. Um, so yeah, you can take you can take this one off. And I spoke to Eddie Hearn. We went to press. As, I mean, as, as we talked, I went to press five minutes ago. I spoke to Eddie Hearn about half an hour ago. You know, he's adamant that. Klitschko will be um, the Klitschko fight will be announced in the ring after um, after after Joshua deals with Molina. So hopefully that is the case, and hopefully this is the final step in Joshua's, shall we say, um, you know, this, this kind of this, this period of his education in that he is fighting. I mean, let's let's be honest here. You could also make a case that Eric Molina is the best fighter that Anthony Joshua has been in with, or at least the most accomplished. Because mm. yeah. I'm not sure I'm not sure anybody else on, on, on Joshua's record has beaten somebody with with Adam X. No, exactly. That's fair point. Yeah. Fair point. So you know, perhaps we are being too down on too down about it. Is it because we were so we were thinking Klitschko? That's what it is, isn't it? You, you, it's like you're thinking one particular Christmas present, but then you get an orange. You know what I mean? And you think to yourself, oh, well, it's, all right. It's, it's, it's completely it's completely true. That's completely true. And I think I think we all kind of thought when when the Klitschko Joshua fight was kind of dangled in front of us, our initial instinct is hang on, this is this is too good to be true. We yeah, can't yeah, be having yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden you start to believe it, you start to think well, hang on, we're being told here this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And <laughs> honestly, the, I remember the press day two weeks ago, we was hanging on and hanging on, waiting for the green light to push to do have this Klitschko, yeah. Klitschko Joshua Bonanza on the cover. And then at the last minute, it's like, whoa, 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 hold back, it's not going to happen. Mm. So that's when you kind of realise. But... Um, Sorry, I forgot the question. Do you know what that is? That's grafting on the biggest magazine in, the, in, in Europe, mate. Exactly. On, on, on press there when you've got to get certain yeah, deadlines I've to it. That's what it is. Yeah. The, the Molina fight, Matt, is that a... Does that... Because he's the IBF cha- of intercontinental champ, obviously he beat Adam Mech at the start of this year, yeah. which kind of put him in the pole position. Does that work as a, a mandatory opponent then for, for Joshua? I haven't found out about that, to be honest with you, Nick. It's, it, it's a good question. I mean, that's all that's all kind of been up in the air a little bit, hasn't it? Because obviously it was going to be... So late, yeah. It, it was going to be Parker. Now Parker's is going in for the WBO belt with uh, Ruiz in, in January. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure because he'll need to sort that out, won't he? And the IBF are very, very strict about it. But I yeah. think... I think even the IBF in this in this current chaos will have to be a little bit lenient with their rules and regulations because it's not it's not clear how they could stipulate those rules and regulations on this situation. Yeah, you touched on price there as well, obviously, and you mentioned from a from a British fan perspective, we that's a fight we would have much rather have seen. I think it's a much better, much more attractive pay per view. How much do you think comes down to the fact that? You know, for for all the defeats that he's had and everything else against Pricey, and the, the the fact that people claim he's got a glass jaw, and he actually came on our show and said and said confessed he hasn't got the best jaw in the world. But yeah, how much do you think is down to the fact that Pricey probably bangs a little bit harder than Erica Molina? And at this stage, you don't want to you don't want the wheels to come off a Klitschko fight in twenty seventeen. To be honest, yeah, I mean there were well, it well exactly. You've got to take that into consideration. I think. I mean. Okay, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful. David Price had an absolutely horrendous few years. A lot of it completely out of his own hands. Um, but I think you would, and I think I think Price would, would would accept this himself. Is that you would pick you would pick Joshua to beat Price if that fight was made. 
Yeah. However, you have to give David Price for, far more of a chance to beat Molina if he's on his game. If David Price is on his game and you've got to, and Team Joshua have got to presume that he would be, then he's a very, very dangerous opponent indeed for Anthony Joshua. In the history they've got, the sparring, mm. et cetera, et cetera, you, can, you take out all I take out of this from speaking to various people over the last couple of weeks is the reason that David Price is not in the ring with Anthony Joshua on December the 10th is because that they think Eric Molina will be an easier fighter. An easier yeah. opponent. That's a fair point. Like, like we said, it's business, isn't it? At the end of the day, and the money fight is the Klitschko fight um, in, in April. You, you touched upon the WBL situation there. We know that Parker's in with Ruiz. Um, yeah. And then the WBL uh, have said that within 120 days, David Hay will be fighting the winner of that. That makes the whole UK heavyweight scene extremely interesting once again, doesn't it? It does. You know what? I mean, we've, we, we, we've criticised David Hay at Boxing News over the last over the last six months during his comeback. And it hasn't yeah. been a case of because we, we dislike David Hay as a person or we dislike David Hay as, as, as a fighter because we think that certainly with the second fight, he can do a lot better. We don't we didn't really want to see him in with Shannon Briggs, who, who probably will be in and around the mix at the moment. But what David Hay brings, if his mind is on it, and it's all for the right reasons, he is the most exciting heavyweight out there, bar none. Mm, yeah, completely agree. Do you think he's fully healed from like the shoulder injury and all that type of stuff? Because if it is the old David Hay, I totally agree with you. But we haven't really seen him yet, have we? In this comeback. Well, that's. I think. I think. I think you've just, that, that's the crux of it all, really, isn't it? We we just don't know. Mm. Um, I mean, I think he's, he's two comeback. You, I can't, you, you can kind of forgive him the first one, Mark Demora. You can forgive him that one. Yeah. Uh, but the one after, you, you, I think it would be extremely dangerous. For example. For, for David Hay to be going in with someone like Anthony Joshua, with with, with with someone of like Klitschko, one of the top guys, after just having those, really what has been about, what, four or five minutes of action in all that yeah. time against yeah. very, very unthreatening opposition. Um, but what we have seen is the speed is still there, mm. um, the power unquestionably. He's put on size as well, isn't he? He looks like a heavyweight now rather than a blown-up cruiser. Mm. He does, but then you also you have to consider how's he going to cope if he does go five or six rounds? It will come a point where he goes yeah. five or six rounds. And that was always a bit of a struggle for him in the past, even in his cruiserweight days, even mm-hmm. some of his tough fights in the cruiserweight days. There was, there was a point where he almost looked like he might lose his way a little bit. Um, so I think there's a long, there's a, there's, there's, there's a, the jury is still out with David Hay, but I think everyone is, is just waiting there to make that decision. They really want to see what David Hay has got and whether he's willing to put it all on the line. You mentioned Shannon Briggs' name there. I love him. I, just, just, for, just for comical aspect, mate. I love the comic of it. Uh, but his name is genuinely being knocked about for this WBA title with Lucas Brown. Do you know anything about it? Um, yeah, well, it, it seems that that... It seems that, that, that <laughs> you sound absolutely so enthusiastic about it, man. Love it. I'm sorry. It's an horrendous matchup. It should, it, should, it should have no fight. You know, no... Absolutely, I... I get on with Shannon Briggs on a personal level. I like Shannon a lot. Um, I was there. But the thing is, as well, I also went to see him in hospital when he got battered out of sight by Vitaly Klitschko, which was mm. six years ago. Mm, yeah. um, and he hasn't fought anyone approaching that level since. He's also six years older. He's something like 44 years yeah, old. That's right, yeah. um, I don't think he should be... I mean, I'm not one... I mean, who am I, really, to say someone shouldn't be fighting if they pass all the tests? They can do what they want to, but... I just fear. I fear when you see guys like that kind of, be, kind of be all of a sudden being elevated from one level and catapulted. Let's face it, catapulted to to a completely different level. Okay, Lucas Brown perhaps isn't at the elite level, 
Um, he again was was on. The, he, he's been involved in controversy with the whole with, with his drug test and what have you. Yeah. Lucas Brown, Shannon Briggs. Ultimately, I'm sorry, has got absolutely no business parading as a world heavyweight title fight. No, I'd agree. Where would you put? Where would you put? Because um, a lot of people are starting to mention uh, Ortiz's name in this, and he's obviously out in the Monte Carlo bill um, a week on Saturday. Do you see him in that mix to be getting in there quite soon, especially with the standard of Brown and Briggs fighting for WBA titles? I think he's got to be. I mean, he's got the he's got the interim title, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Louis Ortiz, which, which you know, it's 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 a paper title. It's it's, it's nothing, but it's, you know, effectively, it's a. Um, it's a, it's a it's an it's an eliminator, isn't it? It's yeah. An eliminator tool that he's got there. But I mean, the thing is with Luis Ortiz, he's either he's either the most dangerous man in the division, he's either the best man in the division, or let's face it, he might just be the most overrated man in the division. He's thirty-seven years old. He hasn't. Re- okay, who he's fought, he's looked decent against. He's beat, he beat an old Tony Thompson. Uh, I remember him in Las Vegas shortly before he failed a drug test. He whacked out Latif Coyote in yeah. in less than three minutes. Um, an old he's got a lot of ability there. Yeah, yeah. But who's, who's he actually beat though live? That's the exactly, problem. exactly, exactly. So we don't know. And people, oh, hang on, it's heavyweight from Cuba. He must be. You know, he's the next Ophelia Stevenson. He's, he's the next <laughs> Felix Savon or whatever. It's not always the case. But Ortiz, to be fair, if we if we compare him to someone like Adlania Solis, he he he. He does. He does look like he's a real deal. But thirty-seven years old, I think the switch to matchroom is a very, very interesting one. Yeah. And I certainly yeah. don't think it was to, to to make the Joshua Ortiz fight any easier. No. Potentially, it's just to kind of keep them apart and kind of, you know, keep, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Good yeah. point. Good point. Speaking of which, um, I don't know whether this fight is going to be any good, but the press conferences will be absolutely electric on the undercard of the Anthony Joshua. Uh, and Molina fight. It is, of course, Dill versus Dell. That's how we're billing yeah. it on the on here on Fight Disciples, my man. What do you make of that? White versus Chisora. I can see what I can. See. It, it makes perfect. It makes perfect business sense. Boxing is a business, and you can see people all lap that up. It's one that is perfectly designed for the social media age. Imagine <laughs> you can imagine them kind of throwing insults across each other on Twitter. You can imagine IFL TV kind of going and doing one interview and then doing another one, and they'll feed off it. Yeah. And, and, and and fans will enjoy that and I understand that. My concern is the fight will be absolutely horrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it will be. It will be. It'll be that it'll, it'll stink the place out, man. It'll be rubbish. Yeah. But you never know. You just don't you just don't know. You just don't know. And uh I don't know, it's a British it's a British it's a British title fight, isn't it? Of course we were also told that it's 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 gonna it's gonna be a WBC eliminator as well. So you know, I I, I can see the appeal, however it would be a surprise if it was a fight of the night. WBC eliminator would mean then, obviously, when he gets himself fit again, Deontay Wilder um, would be taking on one of those boys. Would they? Would they last a round either of them with Deontay? I think. I think they're both pretty durable. I think. I, think yeah. I saw. You know, Dillian White take some absolute horror shots against Joshua for several rounds mm. uh, before he eventually he eventually went down and out. Um, and, and, and likewise, Chisora, we've seen him be. We've seen him be very, very brave at times. He's very durable. Um, I, I, I mean, me personally, with kind of going back to to the whole Joshua conundrum, I'd have just thought, well, let's sleep. You know, you want someone marketable, you want someone who, who will go a few rounds. Just slip Chisora in with with Joshua, because let's face it, Joshua hasn't really proved that he's he, he, he's he's actually above that level yet. Not no. to say he's not; he clearly is, but he hasn't he hasn't even beaten anybody like Chisora yet. No, he hasn't. 
No. It's going to be interesting. December the 10th, man, in Manchester. It's going to be interesting. Listen, Matt, it's been a pleasure, man. Absolute pleasure. Normally, it's just me and him whittering on, but it's good to have somebody with a little bit of knowledge. <laughs> a bit of, on of the knowledge, show. a bit of insight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Top man, we appreciate your time, buddy. No, you're more than welcome. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. That heavyweight title picture is just a mess, isn't it? There's just loads going on. Like it is. Belts and fighters and opponents in every fucking direction you look. It is. It's like it's good. It's good. Adam. It is good. It is good because you can't predict it for years. I mean, we we Klitschko's. That's it. We've got to look yeah. at it. Eleven yeah. years, man. We were sat there going, "This is boring as shit." Yeah. If you want to see heavyweight boxing, you've got to go to Germany to see it now. And and that is legit. That this time next year, we could genuinely be looking at a situation where Anthony Joshua is fighting David Hare to unify the heavyweight division. That Crazy. that is mouthwatering because I personally think that is a beautiful matchup. If David Hay is anything like old David Hay, then imagine that that he is he could he could genuinely become the unified champion of the world by this time next year. Yeah, it could one hundred percent could happen. And obviously, you've got Tyson to throw back in the mix next year. I'm sure he'll be back. He wants hair, man. That he, you know, he won't walk. I, I mean, he said he wouldn't take those hair fights he because say, he walks out. The only way he fights David Hay is if David Hay is the champion, yeah. and, and and he's got to fight David Hay because I think he resents the fact he would give him a payday. But I would love to see that fight. I would love to see Joshua versus Hay. I would love to see Price in the mix. And Matt said it there. You know, if Ch- Chisora versus. Uh, if Chisora versus Dillian White is a WBC eliminator, then De- I wouldn't surprise me if Don- Deontay Wilder came to the UK because the UK is where the heavyweight division's at. And so he, if he and came he can't, here he to can't sell a one ticket. of those guys... In America, exactly. he doesn't sell a ticket. I've, contrary to what everybody tells me on social media, Deontay Wilder is not a big pull in America. That's why he was off to go and, find, uh, to go and fight in Russia, mate, because he can't pull yeah. the pay-per-views. That's right. So I can see him coming over here. I can see him setting up a big fight that unification fight, and uh, I think 2017 is going to be massive for the heavyweight division, absolutely massive. And uh, people are saying, oh, the standard's not what it was in the 70s or the 80s or whatever. I don't give a fuck about that. Every, you know, without a standard now, we, it is what it is. At least it's exciting. You know, at least it's interesting. You know, Matt's completely right. Lucas Brown against Shannon Briggs for the world heavyweight title, that's fucking embarrassing. In the, in the annals of a heavyweight boxing history, that's got to be. I would. I would not say it's one of the worst because there's been some howlers, but it ain't a good one, is it? That ain't a good way. Well, look at fight when you're Charles Martin's fight against that geezer whose name I can't even pronounce when his knee buckled. That's exactly. a bad one. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying it's the glory years, the halcyon years, of the heavyweight division. But what I am saying is at least it's fucking entertaining now. The Klitschko's have, have all but gone. And it's entertaining because we're in the mix and we're loving it. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. You can do that via our website, fightdisciples.com. There's more episodes coming your way this week. And also, if you like to get involved in the daily conversation, at Fight Disciples on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. See you in a bit. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.